Chapter Nineteen of Making Fate by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nineteen. You pray. Their next call was at a very different place, a speck of a home, part of a tenement house, but the part that they entered looking very unlike the rest. The doorstep was clean, the coarse white curtains at the windows were clean and a pot of geraniums in the window bloomed as though they did it for very delight in life the small room was in perfect order and a bright fire glowed in the bit of a cook-stove the furnishings were very few and plain the only easy chair the room contained was drawn close to the front window and in it sat a woman of middle age who smiled on them as they entered in response to her invitation but made no effort to rise. "'I'm glad enough to see you,' she said, holding out her hand to Mr. Maxwell. "'I've been thinking you would remember me, ever since you told me that you sometimes made New Year's calls. Oh, yes, I'm quite alone. Jim couldn't take a holiday. A boy who has a helpless mother to support cannot stop for holidays. He managed to find some overwork, for which he will get extra pay.' he went off as gay as a lark this morning telling me he would have an extra supper to-night in honour of new year's there never was such a boy ma'am as my jim this to mrs edmonds who had been duly introduced and seated in response to some kindly question the mother was glad to go on yes he's my only one i buried the others when they were babies but jim lived and what i should have done without him i can't even guess it makes me tremble sometimes merely to think of it you see ma'am i'm a cripple i have to be lifted from the bed to the chair and from the chair back to the bed again just as much trouble as a baby would be it is going on four years since i've taken a step it's rheumatism ma'am and taking cold being exposed you know to all sorts of weather i'm a widow yes i've seen hard times my husband was unfortunate as good-hearted a man as ever lived and a skilful workman if he could have let the drink alone but he couldn't the temptations were too much for him he worked for snyder and co the big distillery men and the sight and smell of the stuff seemed to get into his very bones there were a few years when i lived in mortal terror lest my jim should follow his father but he didn't he's as good as gold and i have everything to be thankful for he fixes me up like this every morning before he goes away and here i sit until he gets back at night jane next door comes in at noon and gives me my bit of dinner and she fixes it almost as nice as jim could she works nearby so she can run home at noon but jim doesn't she's as good a girl as ever was and couldn't be kinder to me if i was her mother you see she and jim are going to get married if they ever can poor things but i don't see how they ever can while i'm alive and yet they do every blessed thing they can to keep me here both of them yes i don't deny that i get pretty lonesome before six o'clock sometimes if i could read a little it would be different but my eyes are pretty well used up the trouble settled in them one time and i liked to have lost them both they won't read 
and they won't sew but that last is of no consequence for my hands are so twisted that i couldn't hold the work still my eyes are a good deal of use for i can see the folks passing and i can watch the sun setting we have beautiful sunsets out of this window oh i've lots of blessings isn't it a comfort to be kept so clean and neat all the while i was a master hand for cleaning when i could get around and jim declares i shan't pine for soap and water anyhow and sundays jim reads to me all the morning and jane she comes in the afternoon and she reads some and sings she and jim sing beautiful and we have a bit of a tea together oh sunday is just heaven i have to live all the week on the reading i get sundays she glanced at the little table where lay a book and two papers jim brought me them this morning he thought jane would be at home to-day and i could have some reading for new year's but he hadn't been gone an hour when she came to tell me that she had got a chance to earn an extra dollar and away she went she don't let no extra dollars slip through her fingers she's too eager to help jim for that it was a phase of life utterly unknown to marjorie this clean bright elderly woman sitting in her chair from which she could not move counting her mercies and rejoicing over jim and jane as marjorie thought of them and of the pleasant times they must have together caring for the grateful mother she felt that she could almost envy them the tears actually started in her eyes and she moved toward the other window to hide her feelings miss edmonds said mr maxwell will you help me unpack this basket and arrange the goods in mrs baxter's cupboard marjorie went at once and busied herself with the packages her mother was still talking with the crippled woman she came over to mr maxwell presently smiling as she spoke i believe i have caught glyde's disease i would like to stay here a little while and read to this poor woman don't you think she has a letter from her sister in scotland the postman brought it this morning and she is waiting for evening and jim or jane in order to hear it have you another errand which you and marjorie could do while i read that letter and a scrap or two from the paper and a few verses from the book that is the way she speaks of the bible jim always reads a few verses from the book she says before he puts me to bed mr maxwell signified his entire willingness to carry out his part of the programme and of course there was nothing for marjorie but assent she was however not disturbed but the rather amused by this turn of events is there not some old woman or baby with whom you can leave me she asked laughing as they drove away then you might take your drive in peace and quietness what if we should take the drive first he asked i have only one more call on my list we shall probably be detained there but a moment and i am afraid the letter from scotland will not have been read by the time we could return i am disposed if you do not object to drive out on the foundry road for a mile or two the sleighing is exceptionally good on that road and selim and his friend are impatient for one real spin it was a regular spin his own fine horse was well mated and being allowed free rein they fairly flew over the road 
the slaying was as mr maxwell had said superb and despite her belief that her heart was dead marjorie could not help enjoying the exhilarating motion it was when they were on the return trip that the blood flowed in unnatural waves to her face and then receded for there passed them also making rapid speed a single sleigh in which were seated ralph bramlett and estelle douglas ralph had departed from his usual custom then and instead of making new year's calls was giving the day to estelle a sudden conviction came to marjorie that the two were engaged and with it the feeling that if this were so she ought not to even think of ralph any more she could not know of course that estelle instead of taking a sleigh ride should have been at that moment in the McAllister's parlors receiving calls nor that she had said to ralph who came in his sleigh to call that she was just dying for a breath of fresh air the rooms had been so crowded and so overheated all day didn't he want to take her a few rods up the road until she could get her breath now ralph had determined in his own strong mind that the very next call he made should be upon marjorie edmonds also that he would act as though he supposed of course that she was receiving as usual and perhaps he would make a formal call just as any gentleman of slight acquaintance with her might do he would be guided by circumstances having decided while he was at the McAllisters upon this sudden course of action he chafed under the delay involved in taking estelle for that breath of fresh air but he could not well refuse a point-blank request of the kind and then they had passed selim and his friend rushing over the ground with mr maxwell and marjorie this was estelle's opportunity upon my word matters are really getting serious in that direction what do you mean ralph by allowing it glyde says the edmonds lodger spends all his evenings with the family reading aloud and visiting he even takes tea there very frequently glyde is cultivating an intimacy with marjorie since she came home and is always meeting mr maxwell she was to drive with them to-day she and the mother edmonds for appearances sake i suppose but they have done something with both of their companions and are whirling along quite alone they have been out since noon i must say that if people did not know that you and marjorie belonged to each other it would look like a serious matter as it is it looks queer do you honestly enjoy such goings-on excuse my asking the question we are friends of such long standing ralph was white to his lips but his voice was perfectly steady you have an alarming way of taking things for granted estelle why should people suppose that they know so much about my affairs i have never taken them into confidence as a matter of fact mr maxwell is at liberty to take marjorie edmonds for as many drives as he pleases i mean so far as i am concerned i never meant to be selfish in my friendships i might as well say i did not like to have you ride out with your friends as to object to her doing it once for all estelle marjorie edmonds is on exactly the same footing with me as are my other old friends and she is nothing more i am very glad said estelle with so much feeling in her voice that he could not doubt it 
glad for your sake i mean forgive me ralph for saying so i might have known that you were man enough to look after your own interests but i felt so sure from things that glyde has told me and from what i have seen and heard myself that marjorie was getting very deeply interested in mr maxwell that i feared i really did that there was trouble in store for you ralph laughed a harsh unmusical laugh and begged her not to borrow any trouble on his account but all this of course marjorie did not know she was at that moment being helped from the sleigh in front of one of the dreariest tenement houses at which they had stopped that day i am very much interested in the woman i am going to take you to see mr maxwell had told her as they drove she is a young wife and an unhappy one she married a poor victim of snyder snyder and co's business married him not knowing how deeply he drank i believe and has learned it since to her terror and horror he is one of the cruel kind when he is intoxicated has actually kicked her more than once and she is a slight frail creature it makes my blood boil when i think of what she has suffered already from that man and what she must suffer if she lives the last time i saw her she was ill with a violent cold i could not help thinking that perhaps that was to be her way out of the tragedy which she has made of life but i do not know those frail creatures sometimes live and suffer will you give her some of those oranges you brought miss edmonds i have a basket of nourishing food for her she looks to me as though she might be quietly and systematically starving herself then they had knocked at the dreary door again and again receiving no reply mr maxwell looked above and around him for a key this cannot be another case of locking in i should think he said for she and her worthless husband live alone i should like to lock him in and leave him until he acquired some sense but i am afraid she would not resort to any such measures miss edmonds i am going to open this door it is not locked and i have a sort of presentiment that something may be wrong saying which he turned the knob and as the door swung open there was revealed to them the face of a figure on the bed who seemed to marjorie to be all eyes i said come in she explained but i could not speak loud enough even this brief explanation was given with difficulty the speaker stopping again and again and panting for breath mr maxwell looked inexpressibly shocked you are suffering very much he said how can we help you are you alone she nodded her head explaining again with great difficulty that her neighbor on the left was kind and often looked in to help her but today she was gone away and the folks on the right didn't speak to her then gathering all her strength she put it into an earnest question could you find my jack i don't want anything else i haven't seen him in four days and i must see him again before she did not finish her sentence it was only too evident what she meant i will try said mr maxwell and i will bring you a doctor right away you must have help 
she tried to shake her head and to explain again about the only thing she wanted but a terrible paroxysm of coughing seized her mr maxwell supported her head as well as he could and marjorie came in haste with a cup which seemed to contain water the woman tried to take a swallow and presently fell back utterly exhausted mr maxwell tiptoed from the room motioning marjorie after him she has gone down with incredible rapidity he said it is three weeks since i last saw her could you would it be possible for you to remain here while i go for a doctor and some help the houses on either side seem to be deserted and we cannot leave her alone can we no said marjorie we cannot i will stay of course but never in her life had she so shrank from what was a manifest duty if her mother were only here he saw the thought in her eyes i will get your mother as soon as i can miss edmonds but she is quite a distance from here remember and i think there should be a physician without delay the woman looks to me as though she were dying he was untying and unblanketing his horses while he spoke and with the last word was off marjorie returned to the apparently dying woman a great terror was upon her heart what if the poor creature should die while mr maxwell was away she could not help feeling that in such a case the woman might as well be utterly alone for all the help her presence could afford what did she know about death she had never in her life seen any one die to her childish eyes her father had looked much as usual on that last night when he had kissed her and smiled on her and held his hand on her head while he prayed for her and then she had gone away and slept and in the morning her mother had told her gently very gently trying to smile through her tears that the angels had come in the night and carried her father away to his beautiful home but it was not possible to surround this dying bed with any idea of beauty or any suggestion of angels the woman was in mortal suffering was in need of help and she could not help her the extreme exhaustion which followed the last paroxysm of coughing did not pass marjorie moistened her lips bathed her forehead and fanned her gently but the gray pallor which had overspread the woman's face deepened rather than lessened she looked at marjorie with great hungry eyes that had a mute appeal in them which was worse than words what is it the girl asked gently holding herself to outward quiet by a supreme effort is there something i can do for you try to bear it for a few minutes mr maxwell has gone for the doctor and for my mother they will be able to do something to help you but the hungry look remained in those great sad eyes the power of speech seemed to have left her at last evidently summoning her waning strength for one mighty effort she spoke distinctly one word pray oh said marjorie with blanching face and her voice sounded like a groan i cannot pray she looked like one in mortal terror she turned and gazed beseechingly toward the door if mr maxwell could only come if anybody would come who knew how to pray 
could she let this woman die with that one beseeching word on her lips receiving no response yet how was it possible for her to pray to attempt such a thing she felt would be mockery she knew much theoretically of the character of god she had learned many verses in her childhood verses which indicated his willingness to hear the feeblest cry they thronged about her now and pressed her with their questions ought she not to try to speak for this departing soul he would know that her words were sincere and that she did not know how to pray under the spell of those solemn inquiring eyes which seemed to burn into her soul she dropped upon her knees covered her face with her hands and cried out oh god have mercy on this woman for christ's sake and give her what she needs just that sentence nothing more pray said the voice again from the bed and she repeated the same sentence again and yet again no others came to her after a little she arose and continued her small ministrations bathing the temples moistening the white lips trying meantime to find the thread of life in the woman's wrist for her eyes had closed and she was lying again as one dead the sound of bells broke on the intolerable stillness and in a moment more marjorie heard mr maxwell's step at the door he came swiftly over to the bedside and spoke to her in a low tone the doctor will be here in a few minutes i did not wait to get your mother she is a mile away in the other direction and i thought perhaps you would prefer to have me wait until the doctor came before going for her has your patient made any sign of life before marjorie could reply the great troubled eyes opened once more but they seemed not to see and fixed themselves on vacancy her lips moved and formed distinctly that one word again lower than it was before just a faint shadow of a word now pray mr maxwell bending to listen caught the word and was on his knees in a moment marjorie knelt beside him it was so good to have one who could pray then the poor woman's needs were presented before the king in the words of one who had long known how earnest direct in language simple as a child would use it seemed to marjorie that no human speech could be better fitted to her needs yet there was a restless movement of the sick woman's hands presently she turned her eyes and sought marjorie's face and said in a solemn whisper you pray mr maxwell looked well-nigh startled as marjorie herself had done he knew that whatever ability this young girl might have to minister to human pain she had not learned this supreme need of the soul miss edmonds he said she is asking you to pray oh said marjorie again in bitter anguish i cannot pray why does she want it when you are here kneel down mr maxwell and pray again do she cannot mean me it was evident that the woman understood you she said distinctly with her eyes on marjorie that same prayer mr maxwell looked bewildered but marjorie understood she must be calling for those very words which had been spoken in her extremity 
could she possibly speak them before this man who knew that she did not pray yet what was any man now in a few minutes the woman would be in the presence of god could she let her go with her last cry refused she must say those words again in much less time than it has taken to record them these thoughts passed through her mind and once more she was on her knees saying oh god have mercy on this woman and give her what she needs for christ's sake amen said mr maxwell again said the voice of the dying and again marjorie's tremulous lips cried the prayer have mercy for christ's sake it was the voice from the bed which repeated those words slowly distinctly once twice three times pausing many times for breath the voice grew fainter ceased she lay quite still but her eyes were not closed they were lifted upward and on her face there was the semblance of a smile End of chapter 19